As you know, on a Monday afternoon at about 1.30, we always like to talk about our state, meet the people that make our state great and find out what they're doing within our state. Today we're talking about the Communication Partner Service. What's it all about? We've got a cast of thousands in the studio to talk about that and more, so let's meet them and find out a little bit more about the Communication Partner Service. Let me introduce you to Anne Gale, who is a public advocate and the chair of the Disability Justice Plan Advisory Group. It's a lovely title. Anne, welcome. Thank you, Leith. Good Thank to be here. Thank you for coming in. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us what you do. Yeah. Um, my role is public advocate in South Australia, and I um, am responsible for um, administering parts of the Guardianship Administration Act. So adults who might need guardianship, and they are often, but not always, but often people with disabilities. Yep. And I have my other hat on, which is the chair of the advisory committee overseeing the implementation of the Disability Justice Plan. So I've been chairing that oversight committee for three years for the um, Attorney General in South okay. Australia. Beautiful. Well, it's great to have you in here. We'll talk to you more in just one second. Simon Schrapel is here. He is the Chief Executive of Uniting Communities. Simon, welcome. Hi, Leith. How are you? Very well. Great to have you here. Thank you for coming in. Tell us a little bit about Uniting Communities. Uniting Communities, yeah. We've been an organisation that's operated in South Australia for about 116 years. So we've been around a time we've changed our name a few times yep. over the over the course of the journey we've um, an organization that runs quite a, a broad spectrum of community services and social services to South Australians from aged care to working with children and families and people with disabilities and most importantly for today's discussion we're responsible for the delivery of the communication partner service fantastic you're doing things right if you're going over a hundred years uh, yes yes we've uh, lasted uh, lasted well haven't we Very nice. well. well it's uh, great to have you in here as well Simon thank you for coming in and everyone's very excited because we heard Robbie Williams was coming into the uh, building and every it is not quite that Robbie Williams but nonetheless we're delighted to have Robbie here who is the chief executive officer of JFA Purple Orange Robbie welcome thank, thank you, you for coming much. in nice to be here tell us about JFA Purple Orange uh, well we are a not-for-profit agency based in um, Adelaide but we work around Australia and uh, best way to describe us is that we work in research and advocacy particularly around the sorts of um, situations and measures that can assist uh, people living with disability to have the best chance at what life has to offer. Fantastic. I think I can trump Simon because um, the history of our agency goes back through Julia Fast Services yep. through to the Home for Incurables, which is nearly 140 years ago. Wow. Bragging, <laughs> bragging rights in Sorry, the building. No, no, it is great. It's great to have you all here. Thank you for coming in. Today we're talking about the Communication Partner Service. Now, as someone who hasn't used this particular service uh, myself, I'm interested, as will our audience be, what is it? How does it work? Who would like to take the oh, reins? I, how about if I kick off? Um, yep. Since we're responsible for running the service um, with the support, obviously, of the uh, of the state government um, and the uh, Attorney General's department who provide the funding for the service, we've been running the, the program for just on a year now. We, st we started um, in July last year. And, uh, and Anne will talk a little bit about the, the history to it in terms of what sat behind the, the establishment of the service. But just to give you a, a very quick, and your listeners a very quick overview, that the communication partner service service um, is run by volunteers um, we do have some staff that do a lot of the training and development of the program and, and a lot of the um, promotion of the program particularly to people in the justice system uh, and those volunteers effectively are called out um, to assist people in the justice system primarily 
police, um, people in the courts, um, uh, lawyers, um, in uh, the interviewing of either witnesses or um, people who have been involved in a, in, in a, a crime. Uh, you know, they, they may actually be the alleged perpetrator, they yep. might be the victim of a crime, and the communication partners assist in really bridging that sort of communication gap that often happens with people that have got quite severe communication problems and challenges, um, mainly because of a disability or an, an illness. It might be a permanent disability or it might be a short-term issue. Sure. Uh, and, and essentially the service is there to ensure that people actually get justice by ensuring that the evidence that they have to, to provide yep. in criminal matters is actually being um, listened to and recorded correctly and that, in a sense, justice is done, which unfortunately, I, I think, you know, when we look at historically, it wasn't always being done because people who couldn't communicate as effectively as, as they wanted to, were often uh, denied justice because they weren't picked up in the, in the system or as witnesses, you know, they might have been seen as unreliable witnesses, yep. as victims, as not as people, uh, as people that couldn't give evidence in court. So the communication partners effectively helped to bridge that gap. Because it's difficult, isn't it, Anne, at the best of times? It, oh, definitely, even when, you know, you're um, working in the system frequently, yeah. it's, it's hard yep. to advocate and to self-advocate. And often people, it's quite an intimidating situation. And it was identified through a range of consultation in the development of the plan that people do need extra support. Um, and if you've got a communication difficulty, then... Um, we have some responsibility to provide that support and yep. there's been amendments to the Vulnerable Witnesses Act to provide the basis in law. Um, so it is embedded in law that this service will be provided and it's really important to see it as broader, the part of the broader plan, changes to the law. It was a new service as well. So when we were working this up, it was like, who's doing this? Yep. So we've researched internationally to look at how it works in the UK. Um, and so it's been innovative and I think, Simon, you've, we've been exploring together how to make this service work well. So it is in its early days, but we've had to put a lot of research into how to make this work for the person to be supported better in circumstances such as Simon's talked about. And that's great, isn't it? Because it's a, a difficult situation. People don't know what to do necessarily in these kind of situations. Who can call the service? How does that work? Who's eligible to use your service? Yeah, it's, um, as, as I said earlier, it's for people that are involved in, in the criminal justice system, yep. so it's not in, in the broader sort of justice system in sure. family law or civil matters. It, it is restricted to, to criminal matters. Um, we can take referrals from um, police, um, from lawyers or from the courts directly but we sure. will take um, calls from anybody so it could be the person themselves, it could be a relative, a friend um, and we'll provide information and assistance to, to them but in terms of an official referral network pathway it needs to come from one of those three sources the police, the courts okay. um, or, uh, or a lawyer who's involved with a particular matter. How do people know to make a request? How does that work? Yeah, we, well, we've been out. I mean, this is this has been part of the sort of uh, the learning that Anne referred to earlier, and yep. I think you know we you know we've never had this system available before. So in a sense, there wasn't an option for people in the past uh, where they would have come across someone with a communication difficulty, and uh, we've spent a fair bit of time over the last six to nine months getting out there and informing people you know through the police force um through uh, uh the legal services commission and uh, uh and through a number of other sources just to try and get information out to people about the availability of this program and to really try and facilitate its its uptake yep and there's quite a lot of education going on in the legal 
sector. We've had police trained in specialist interviewing techniques as well. Um, so there's other, um, I guess, education to support this. So we really need the practitioners in the court system to understand the police, to understand. But we do have to do some further work in relation to educating the community. Have you found, Robbie, people that don't want to take part in this or aren't willing to put a complaint forward or take part in the proceedings because they've had these difficulties in the past and they think this is not going to work for me and therefore work for the other person and therefore maybe just stayed out of it, whereas now they have the opportunity to take part? Yeah, I think it'll take time to, to socialise it so that people um, get used to it as a routine um, offering within the um, justice pathway. Um, I think if, you know if I step back from that a wee bit, uh, the the issue is is you know what what does or what has happened in the past for people living with disability who uh, who are navigating the um, the justice system. There's a number of challenges. The anchor point for all of this is that. People living with disability are people first and foremost. They are fellow citizens. They are part of a diverse community. And so it's important that, a, that the justice pathway, like any other um, public service, yep. um, is able to offer a, a, a diverse range of offerings so that a range of people can actually use it successfully. So the question is, what are the stakes? Um, which, you know, uh, the, with some of the problems we have that we can encounter are that... Um, uh, when you move through a justice system, you know, the first thing that happens is you get read your rights, you know, so you understand what your rights are. So right there, you have to think about how do people get to understand what their rights are, what it means to have a right, and what it means to use that uh, and to, to exercise that right. Then there are issues around um, how, uh, what happens in an interview process um, where uh, 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 where some people living with a cognitive impairment or an intellectual disability may actually respond in an interview in a certain way and, and unintentionally incriminate themselves. There's, a very, uh, there's some classic examples of this in history where people have um, uh, done something called acquiescence where they basically will say yes in response to any yep. question that they're yep. asked. So because you say yes to the wrong sort of question then you find yourself in hot water for, for no reason other than you just said yes. Um, so, that, so there are those sorts of issues around how people understand their rights and how people understand questions, and in turn, how questions are asked um, in a justice process. Um, then there are issues around how people understand the experience of disability. So if someone, for example, who lives with cerebral palsy has a uh, has, has quite a significant accent because of that, that cerebral palsy. Uh, that can be mistaken in a number of ways. Some people, I, I have friends who live with cerebral palsy and it's assumed that they're drunk uh, because of the way their, their, their speech is modified by their, um, their experience of cerebral palsy. Or if, if, if their speech is difficult to understand to the interviewer within the justice system, it's possible that their evidence could then be disregarded because it's simply not understood. Sure. So there will be plenty of people who live with disability who will have had these types of difficult experiences, um, uh, let alone the, frankly, the daunting experience of mm. going into a court process and maybe having to give your, interview, your, your witness statements, that being then cross-examined. I've served in a, in a, in a court on, as a juror, um, which you'd hope would be the safest seat in the building, but it's, it's, it was, I found it very daunting being yep. in that, that, that court process. So there's a number of reasons uh, why um, the, the justice pathway needs to be powered up um, so that people living with disability can get a fair go, whether they're an alleged perpetrator or, or perhaps more importantly, whether they're an alleged 
victim or mm. have a witness statement to offer that could really help things. It's a great service you're doing, and as you mentioned before, Ian, not only are the people uh, with the disabilities involved, but you're also teaching police, law and order, etc., to understand that as well. As someone who doesn't, I'm not touched by disability, I don't have family members or, or you know, in a friend's circle with disability, I don't understand or don't know much about this, but clearly it's a big issue in our community. Mm, you make a really good point about community awareness and understanding. Yep. And, you know, I think we've still got a long way to go to be inclusive and understand what it's like to live with disability. And for those of us who work with people who experience disability, we do get the opportunity to understand and learn more. But um, I think we do have a way to go in our community to be more inclusive so that we can all understand. And um, professions like the legal people in the courts and the police and other investigators that we've been working with, it's really important that they get that exposure because they've got their particular rules and ways of working and it is a challenge to sometimes think outside the square on what's it like for a, a person with a community communication need, whether that's an older person with dementia, for example, what's it like to take the time, Mm. you know, and it's different. We have processes and systems and this means people have to take the time to listen, to understand what's happening for someone who's not communicating in the kind of conventional way. Going to take a short break. Anne, Simon and Robbie will stick around. We'll talk more about the communication partner service right after this. 8223 0000 is the number. If you do have a question regarding this, it's 13 minutes to two. It is 10 minutes to two. We're talking about our state and the communication partner service. We have Anne Gale, public advocate, chair of the Disability Justice Plan Advisory Group in here alongside Simon Schrapel, chief executive of Uniting Communities, and Robbie Williams. I'm sure you cop that all the time, Robbie, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, CEO of JFA Purple Orange as well as we discuss. Really interesting, the communication partner service. How many people have used the service to date? Yeah, look, over, over the 12 months, or just over 12 months we've been operating, we've had over um, 60 people who we've um, gone out to visit uh, and many more contacts, of course, but, you know, as I said earlier, that we're only able to officially take referrals or formal referrals from the police or from the courts sure. or from lawyers. So, um, you know, that's, we've been able to get out and do those visits uh, Normally in police stations, we've got uh, a couple of court matters coming up um, later this year that have okay. been booked in to actually help assist the courts to ensure that people, you know, mm-hmm. as they give their evidence and are cross-examined in the court system, are able to, you know, ensure that they're able to do that as best they can. Are they all kind of matters? Is it people that are victims, people that are witnesses, people that are... Yeah, there is a spread of, of, of issues. As I said, really the three major categories are, are, are victims, um, people who are alleged um, uh, perpetrators of, of a particular crime or um, uh, uh, witnesses or victims of being the other two groups. Thus far, it's been uh, primarily witnesses and victims, uh, interestingly enough. Um, so that's been the predominant. Um, range of, um, of referrals that we've received. Okay. Are you getting good feedback, the people that you speak to that have used the service of the 60? I assume it would be making life a lot easier for them and, and a great comfort? Absolutely. I mean, we'll, we're undertaking some formal evaluations, but, you know, certainly the, the indicative sort of feedback that we've received after we've gone out and provided the service has been 
positive, both from the person with the communication um, issue, but also from the person within the justice system who, you know, I think as Anne was saying earlier, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to educate and uh, and let people know about the program and and its value, and you know, people have to feel comfortable about actually using it. I mean, so this becomes, in a sense, the first option rather than to say, oh, it's a little bit tough, you know, we might let this matter go, we won't investigate it, we won't actually pursue it because we're not, you know, so sure about the reliability of the sure. of the person. With a dis- with a disability and a communication problem, so yeah, thus far I think the, the feedback's been overwhelmingly positive. Do you need special equipment and special skill sets, special kind of people to take part? Yeah, and, you yeah. Know? yeah, we need um, all of that, but sometimes it's not all that complicated either. Sure. So we do need special people, and the scheme uses volunteers, but these people are selected with some rigor to make sure that they can work appropriately and they are trained as well so that they can work with people with complex communication needs. So the skill set is really important and they must have empathy as well, but they are independent. They're they're not there to sort of... um, that They convey messages and work with the person. Some of the more simple things, though, is to just be there to help the person ask for a break or provide cue cards because a lot of people have their own communication device but they can point to if they need a break yep. and then the communication um, person, partner can help relay that to the police or to the court person. So sometimes it's common sense because sure. extra mm. time is needed. So there's quite simple practical things but with very skilled and trained people. Are you expecting, Robbie, more people to use this? Word of mouth gets out. Does it become part of the community that people talk about this service? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, th- I think um, it, there's certainly a lot of um, word of mouth going on, not just in this state, but beyond. Uh, I think the issue of how to support people uh, living with disability to access justice safely and successfully uh, is, is an issue around Australia and overseas. Uh, and I think there's a, there's a sense um, in the other states and territories that, that uh, South Australia's done something really quite interesting and helpful and progressive in the issue of um, disability access to justice. So the, um, the communication partner service is, 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 is an important element of a range of measures that are all designed to strengthen what happens to people who move through the system. Perhaps just as importantly is what, are we, what, what might we do further upstream to stop people from having to enter the system in the first place. Yep. Um, some of that goes to um, how vulnerability is understood in our society. A lot of um, people talk about disability crime. Um, I prefer the phrase vulnerability crime because I think it's not so much that people are picking on disabled people because they happen to have a disability yep. it's just an easy target sure. so if you, you use a wheelchair I argue that an alleged perpetrator might think they can, it's easier, it's an easier crime to conduct because they're not, less likely to have resistance so the issue, the, the, the issue for all of us I think is what do we do alongside this to strengthen the way our communities operate so that people living with disability aren't placed in positions where they could be exploited Well it's a great service that the three of you combined and, and your groups are doing you've got the years of Adelaide now uh, what do people need to do after listening to this? What would you recommend that if they need to use your service, what do people do? Well, first contact, of all, you've yeah. got, that's right, to actually make contact. And yep. there is an 1800 number. I might just actually um, read sure. that out and I'll, I'll leave it here if somebody rings the uh, the program later on and wants to find out. So yep. 1800 615 677. So um, that's the simplest way of getting through and uh, we can then respond uh, immediately to those calls. And we, interestingly enough, when we looked at how we would provide this service and uh, a couple um, of us have mentioned that it is delivered by volunteers, really well-trained and supported volunteers, this isn't a 
nine to five weekday service. We're running this from seven in the morning till ten o'clock at night, seven days a week. So, really, we've tried to ensure that we can make this as accessible as yep. possible at just about any point in the day so that people can actually get through and get a get a response immediately because we know that when people are confronted with these issues whether it's the person themselves that's making contact or yep. a friend or family or for somebody uh, in the justice system like the police they're not wanting to wait around for the next day to actually do the interview or collect the evidence or you know to have that chat that's sure. they want to do it there and then okay we'll leave the number with us if people need it they can uh, get it from us and we will pass it on want to thank you all for coming in uh, before you go this is a, an open flat platform JFA Purple Orange. Robbie, anything people should know? Anywhere they can contact you? Anything you need from the people of Adelaide? Oh, very good. Well, I think the main pitch from us would be that, um, that uh, there is something in Australia called the National Disability Strategy, which is designed to um, advance the chances of people living with disability getting a fair go at what life has to offer. I think the Attorney General's Department has, um, has taken great leadership in South Australia by looking at how to grow the capacity of the justice system to support citizens who live with disability. So the same challenge now needs to go out to education, to housing, transport, employment, amongst other things, to make sure that uh, our community, every member of our community gets a fair go. So we've got a fair bit of work to do, but together we can do it. Absolutely. Thank you, Robbie. Uniting Communities, Simon? Oh, where do I start? There, there are lots of uh, lots of things I could talk about, but I guess the thing, and it really links to this service that we're often looking for, is people to support us in, in a volunteer capacity. So we'd, we'd certainly welcome anybody that has an interest, not just in this program. We run lots of programs, things like Lifeline, which has been around for 50-plus years, a, a really essential service um, for, for people at risk of suicide. Yep. You know, we're, we're blessed with a number of volunteers that come forward and, uh, and volunteer their time and uh, effort into programs like that, and we've got lots of other opportunities too so we'd love to hear from people who want to get engaged in helping others in the community really. It's amazing the work you do and Anne if people want to come and see you Well certainly in my role as public advocate yep. um, people can contact our information and advice line and they can phone that by calling us on 83428200 and there is a, a toll free number for the country as well which I can provide not popping out the top yep. of my head at the moment. <laughs> but I would just say as the chair of the advisory committee and, you know, commend the, the state government's disability justice plan from 2014 to 17 with 45 actions in it. Yep. Um, people might want to look on the website for that, you know, and it's good to see the ongoing commitment of the Attorney General in delivering this plan. Great that all of you could come in. Thank you again. All the best too with the Communication Partner Service. You're doing great work. 60 people now, many more people to come in the future. Anne Gale, Simon Schroepel and Robbie Williams. Thank you all for coming in.